Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Hello and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and yours. And let me take a moment to welcome you here and to thank you so much for joining us in this time. And I want to say thank you for allowing us to continue in our established tradition here at Community of Hope, you know, to take this weekend off to allow our volunteers who work so faithfully all year long and the staff who works alongside of them to give them an opportunity to take a break and to worship and to rest and to be with their families across these holy days. We're we're always grateful to do that, grateful for the opportunity you give us to do that. And I also want to thank our production team and our worship team for providing this space and creating a moment for us to worship with a couple of songs before I just share with you from my heart a meditation that I think is important for us. I've chosen a passage of scripture to read to you uh, this weekend that comes from Matthew's gospel, the first gospel uh, in the New Testament. And it's part of the ancient story, I believe, that sets the mood and asks the right kind of questions for us to consider in this space. Uh, And by that, I mean this space where in just a, a little bit of time, we're going to say goodbye to the year that we're in, and we're going to say hello and step uh, you know, into the new year. It's Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. And I'm going to read it, but here's what uh, also you can do if you choose to do this. You can take a moment, you can hit pause uh, on this presentation, and maybe have someone in your own home or wherever you're gathered with friends or loved ones read this passage of Scripture and then click back in and go go along with us. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Here's how Matthew records it. He says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. This is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, when Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God's word for us. Let's pray together. God, I just ask that you might meet with us here. And uh, we thank you for the wonder of this season. And we thank you for the privilege that we have to sit with those we love, family and friends, and to reflect on your word for a few moments and to worship you as our Savior. And we ask, oh God, that you'd use this time in a powerful way in our lives to reveal your truth to us and invite us into what is necessary so that we can make an appropriate and good step from one year into the new and the next year. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is one of my favorite uh, parts of the Christmas story, and it's perfect for us, really, I believe, in this moment. Think with me about it. The added bonus of this is that it involves outside, I think, arguably the most important characters in the Christmas story, Jesus and Joseph and Mary. It uh, also involves and tells us about what I think are arguably the most sought-after roles in the Christmas play, which is after the main characters, the wise men. Everybody wants to be the wise men. And when we think about it, these mysterious characters, they're the coolest costumes. It's always way better to be a wise man than to have to wear your brother's hand-me-down bathrobe. I remember when I was growing up, uh, I, as a little boy, I was in a Christmas play one time and I didn't get chosen to be a wise man and I'm mostly over it, but uh, I was uh, chosen to be uh, an animal in the story. And I learned later on, in fact, that I was chosen to be an animal and the animal that I was in the Christmas story wasn't even an animal that was likely to be in the Christmas story. And that ended my acting career right there. I was so disappointed about it. But everybody always wanted to be the wise men growing up. Um, one of the things I think about is because they're the coolest characters, right? Uh, they get to wear the, the greatest costumes. I remember reading one time about a little church that was putting on a Christmas play and they were having the kids and they had assigned all the roles. And when the wise men came out, the, the, the three young boys that were playing the wise men, they were all dressed and were wearing, um, they were dressed like firemen. And uh, somebody who was there as a guest turned to another person and said, why are the wise men, you know, why are they dressed like firemen? And, and the person responded and said, because they're coming from afar. I'll, I'll let you take a minute to get my joke. But anyhow, um, I, we all love the wise men. We don't know much about them, right? Mysterious, dark figures in the Christmas story. Scholars suggest that they were people of high position uh, from the nearby ancient town known as Parthia, which would be about a hundred miles from what we would know and recognize as Baghdad uh, today. There's an old Christmas hymn that you may remember. It's called We Three Kings. And the first line says this, We three kings from Orion are bearing gifts we traverse afar. And here's, in fact, what we know. They were most likely not kings, and there were most likely not even three of them. Uh, they were likely to be astrologers, and they were likely to be traveling in a caravan. And I find that interesting and instructive for us in a way, because astrologers were sometimes outlawed in the Hebrew scriptures, 
And yet here they are smack dab in the middle of the greatest story of all time. So the wise men. Here's what I want us to think about together with all the people that you're gathered with uh, on this weekend. What the wise men did and what they were doing creates a perfect opportunity for us to take a moment and reflect together, really, as people around these holy days and these holy moments who are going to, in just a little bit of time, transition from the old year and go into the new year, I really think what the wise men offer to us in this story gives us the opportunity to do some of the inside work, some of the interior work, some of the spiritual work, if I can put it that way, to prepare us to best enter into a new year. And the first thing that I noticed the wise men did, of course, they were searching. As astrologers, they were following the stars and they were following wherever the star led. And I want to say here that I think searching in, a many, in many ways is something that's part of the human condition. It's almost like sort of wired into humanity that we look for things, right? You know, sometimes we search for things because we lost them. In fact, I want to give you an opportunity right now, if you want to, take a moment hit pause on the video, and maybe collectively a few of you could share about a time you lost something and what you did to find it. Take a moment and talk about that right now. So interesting stories. I hope you had an opportunity to share. I'll share one real quickly. Uh, about a month ago, I was driving up to Stewart to get my mom. I think we were going to bring her down to dinner, and she wanted to see her great-grandson, Mac, and so we had prepared to do that. And uh, we were going to divide and conquer, which is like so many of us uh, have to do these days. Beth was going one direction. I was going the other direction. So I jumped in my truck right on time. I could get every, you know, get all this accomplished on time. And I was driving up to Stewart to get my mom, and just north of Jupiter, my phone rang and I looked over in my truck and it's Beth. So I clicked on the phone and what do you think the first thing she asked me was, she said, hey, are my keys in your truck? And they were, and we had to negotiate how it would be that we would get the keys that she left, that she'd been searching for uh, back to her so that she could go her way and I could, I could go my way. This is the thing. Sometimes we search for things because we've lost them and misplaced them. But I think there's something deeper here when we're looking at uh, this story and we're looking at the wise men. The wise men were searching and they were using the stars as a way to perhaps understand the deeper meanings and the deeper questions of life. And God in his mercy and God in his grace used what they knew to do as a way to bring them to the feet of Jesus. One of my favorite verses of scripture comes from Hebrews chapter one. We don't even know who the author was. The author is unknown to us. But in Hebrews chapter one and verses one and two, here's how that author records something that I think is important about what we're discussing right now. The author says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Let me pause. There are lots of ideas 
in our world today about these deeper questions. There, we're all asking the deeper questions. There's a lot of answers about the deeper questions. People are searching for meaning. We're searching for purpose. We're searching for hope. We're searching for all the things, right, that make life, well, flourish. Here's what I, I know and I believe you know too. This is really true at Christmas. This is true in this time of the year. This is a, a space really, I think, where we have heightened spirituality, heightened sensitivity around spiritual things. It, it's a time we've come, many of us uh, come through Christmas as a time when we even, even those of us who are not very religious, right? We engage in traditions that we engage in only during this time of the year. Most of us take moments where we're navigating the questions and the parts of our lives that we would maybe want to choose to leave behind in the old year and what we can embrace in the new year that is set out before us. And here's what I know if we're not careful. Christmas can be a time where we can also get overwhelmed and distracted searching for things that never actually deliver what they promise. So we have to be careful. And the story of the wise men is great because it reveals to us that God, you know, in his wisdom and God in his mercy enables us to see through what these guys offer to us in their own search, a search that ends at the feet of Jesus. And this is so powerful. Well, the wise men are searching and the search ends uh, in the Savior. And that's the next thing I want to talk about. It's interesting to think about, but the wise men found what until that moment they didn't know they were searching for. Well, they found a Savior. And as a pastor, I've seen this kind of thing happen over and over and over again at Community of Hope. In fact, one of my favorite things uh, as a pastor, I have a lot of favorite things as a pastor, but I can tell you one of my favorite things is to watch people come into our community on any campus in these two different languages, and um, they find what they're really looking for. Uh, they may come searching for community or friendship. Uh, they may come searching uh, for peace or some of these other things. But God, again, in his mercy, shows up. And in what they were searching for, they find that, certainly. But here's what else they find. They find a God revealed in Jesus who's been searching for them. It's an interesting thing um, Luke writes in his gospel these words about Jesus. It's a wonderful idea. It says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Powerful, right? This baby born in a manger, this baby that um, was underneath the star that the wise men followed to the manger was in fact Savior of all the world. And um, that Savior is searching for us. One of my favorite places in all the world um, is the Jupiter Inlet. And uh, this past uh, Christmas season, our, our Advent series, our production team uh, put together a video that uh, 
we've watched every weekend before the pastor on the campus communicated God's word. And it's one of my favorites because it's the Jupiter Inlet. In fact, there's a pelican in the video that I feel like I know what pelican that is. I think we've become friends because I paddleboard the Jupiter Inlet every time uh, I have an opportunity to do so. So let me show you a picture of the Jupiter Lighthouse. Here's what I'd want you to know. 108 feet tall. Uh, it's the only lighthouse on the coast between Cape Canaveral to the north and uh, Hillsboro Inlet down south. The light extends and reaches uh, 45 nautical miles, which is actually 28 miles uh, out into the ocean. And the purpose of the lighthouse, of course, is to illuminate the safe way to get home. And this, of course, is what God has done for us in giving a son. Uh, I read for you a few moments ago one of my favorite verses, which comes from an unknown author, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let me read to you verse 3 of this powerful passage of Scripture. Hebrews 1, chapter 3 says this, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Notice the phrase, the radiance, the light of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after this light, this God, this Jesus provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. I want you to think with me about this. Every other religion on the planet suggests a way for you and I to try to find God. It's Christianity that proclaims a God who has come to find us. And that's super powerful. Here's the question for all of us. When this happens, when you find this God and he finds you, what do you do? And this brings us to our third point, right? We've, the Magi were searching. Their search ended in a savior. And then the Magi offered gifts. Let me go back to our original story and I'm going to read to you Matthew chapter two, verse 11. So on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, that's probably a part of the story, I think, if even for those of us who are not really particularly biblically literate, because that's almost embedded into the culture of these days for us around Christmas and New Year's. Many of us know that part of the story. And of course, many of us have been a part of of either being a, a part of a Christmas play or our kids or our grandkids being a part of a Christmas play. And of course, not only were the wise men the greatest, you know, characters after Jesus and Mary and Joseph, but they have the greatest line. They get to come and present their gifts. And there's a lot of speculation really about those gifts. Well, gold, gold is extravagant and valuable. They brought that. Frankincense actually was uh, a kind of incense, and it was often burned or used in worship. So we have something valuable, we have something spiritual, 
And then, of course, the last gift was myrrh. And myrrh was used as a medicinal ointment. Uh, it was a medical thing. It was a practical uh, offering. And so they brought something that was uh, valuable. They brought something that had a spiritual quality to it. And they brought something that was practical, helpful. But to be honest, and I don't mean any disrespect, my favorite adaptation of gold, frankincense, and myrrh doesn't really come from the biblical story. It comes from the story I told you at the beginning of my meditation where I shared about these boys dressed as firemen who had come from afar. And when they came out to share and, 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 you know, this was their big moment in the Christmas play, there was one who was designated to do the talking and he had a line and really what he was supposed to say was, behold, we bring gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But he got nervous and he got all tongue tied. And instead what he said is this, behold, we come bringing gifts of gold of circumstance and mud. And I love it. That's such a beautiful adaptation of what is going on, I think, in this story. And even as a person, you know, who's knocked around seminary education a little bit many years ago, there's great theology here. I mean, think with me about this. Um, You bring the best you have to offer. What does Jesus want? He wants and deserves our best. What does our best look like? Well, it might look like your life, your future, your hopes, your dreams, all that's precious to you in this moment. Um, Bring that. But that's not everything I think the Lord wants. He actually wants your circumstance. He wants where you find yourself right now. And I think we'd all agree, this has been quite a year with a lot of circumstances. Uh, I'll tell you about my year. It's been hard. Uh, This has not been my uh, favorite year. Uh, Oftentimes, I've felt uh, overwhelmed and uh, underqualified for the circumstances I found myself in. Maybe you can identify And the other thing the little boy said, behold, we bring our gifts of gold, of circumstance, and mud. Our humanity, our brokenness, our sin, our shortcoming. It's interesting to me, um, one of my favorite songs this year, we sang a lot in church, partly because I told Keith and the different worship teams, um, I said, there's something in that song that is especially meaning for many, meaningful for many of us right now. It's a song entitled, um, For God So Loved the World. Maybe you know it. Let me refresh your memory. For God so loved the world, right? The song says, come all you weary, come all you thirsty, Come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of this water. Come and thirst no more. Then it says this. Come all you sinners. Come find his mercy. Come to the table. He will satisfy. 
taste of his goodness. Find what you're looking for. Powerful, right? I've got one more. There's a line in there that says this. Hey, bring all your failure. Bring your addiction. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. Can you think of a greater truth to take with you into the new year? Uh, For all of the things that we hope for are gold. For all of the circumstances we find ourselves in. And for all the mud and the dirt and the divinity of our lives. This is such a great story for us in this moment. Uh, The Magi were on a search. The search ended in the Savior that was searching for them. They offered their gifts. And I have one more thing for us to reflect on, which is um, what we do when we leave the manger. And it's really contained again in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. And the Magi are going to help us out one more time. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Can I tell you? That's one of my favorite lines in the whole story. It's basically saying this. When you come to the manger and you see this God clothed in human flesh, if we understand that moment rightly, none of us are ever going to leave there the same. We're going to go home another way. Let me close with a story. In the early days of our church, when we were in rented facilities, some of you will remember, we did it 14 and a half years. All the gray hair you see here, that's when that happened. And uh, for a couple of years at Christmas Eve, when we would do the Christmas Eve service in the Royal Palm Beach High School Auditorium, we did this creative thing. We had a Krispy Kreme donut restaurant donut store that was open in our area. It's not open any longer, so we can't do it. But we engaged with them and par- partnered with them, and we um, we paid for them to make uh, fresh donuts for us, fresh donuts, fresh Krispy Kreme donuts, 6,000 of them. And then when people would come to the auditorium for worship and we would have our Christmas Eve service, when the service was over, Um, There was a a package of fresh Krispy Kreme donuts on the hood of every car in the parking lot. (laughs) And we would encourage people, on your way home, go home another way. Go to the hospital emergency room uh, where somebody who would um, maybe have liked to come to worship can't because they have a loved one who's in a medical emergency. We said, go to a store that's open late for folks 
rushing in to buy Christmas presents, perhaps at the last minute. And they're, they're working in our community to help us um, go to a restaurant that's going to be open late on Christmas Eve and serve the workers and the uh, waiters and waitresses and the cooks and just offer them, you know, a box of donuts. Tell them that God loves them. Give them a gift of practical love, you know, given in Jesus' name. And uh, by going home another way and blessing someone else, you're blessed. Well, here we are. We're in that unique span of time from one year to the next. And you have to make a decision. What's the path you're going to take to go into the new year? Well, I'd certainly say this, you know. Take Jesus with you. Invite him into your best self. Invite him into your circumstance. And even invite him into your mud. And allow him to show up in the transcendent way that only God can do. To give you hope, healing, purpose, and meaning. Come find what you're looking for. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you in this moment that you're still doing for us these many years later what you did for the Magi. Made yourself available. Um, humbled yourself and entered into our world in all the ways that enable you, O oh God, to understand what it's like to walk around on this earth in this moment. And collectively, Jesus, in this space, I just want to pray for my friends. I want to pray for any circle or any person right now that is, you know, listening to this meditation. And in a fresh and new way, God, we're going to open our lives to you. We're going to open our hearts to you. And we invite you, Lord. We just, we invite you to enter in and, and just um, receive from us the best we can offer, receive from us our circumstances, and receive from us even our shortcomings. And that you and your wisdom, you and your mercy, you and your grace, would provide to us every single thing we need so that we might be able to leave what we need to behind this year and take what we must and what we should into the year before us. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, let me remind you real quickly, next weekend on all of our campuses, our normal schedules will resume, and we look forward to meeting for worship with you in those spaces. Go with the mercy and the grace of God upon your lives. Merry Christmas again, right? Happy New Year. We'll see you soon.